0: This is Hacker Public Radio episode, 3373 for Wednesday, the 7th of July 2021. TID's show is entitled, HPR RPG Club Reviews Starfinder, and is part of the series Tabletop Gaming It is hosted by Claw2 and is about 86 minutes long, and carries an explicit flag. The summary is, Starfinder is a sci-fi RPG using Dungeons, Empress and Dragons 3.5 rules. This episode of HPR is brought to you by Archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to Archive.org forward slash donate.
1: Hey everybody, this is Clive Sue. Thanks for listening to Happy Public Radio. In this episode, me and the HPR RPG Club review Starfinder. HPR RPG Club is a group of listeners like you who want to get together and play a an tabletop RPG game, role-playing game, on, uh, I think, UTC Sunday. That's New Zealand Monday. We play one game for approximately four weeks, and then we review it. And that's what we're doing today. We got onto a call and reviewed our experience with Starfinder. Starfinder is... Don't, don't, don't lose track here. Starfinder is an offshoot of Pathfinder which is a fork of Dungeons & Dragons at 3.5 edition. So Pathfinder is Dungeons & Dragons 3.5, except rebranded with some rules changes here and there and further development done on it. And Starfinder is sort of a uh, Pathfinder but written for space at, let's call it a 3.75 edition, because some of the rules are different, but generally it's the same. This one generated a lot of discussion about the strengths and the weaknesses of the system. We do a lot of comparison, obligatory comparison probably, between Starfinder and Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, which if you've not played either, those comparisons probably won't resonate with you. We tried to keep it down to a minimum, but uh, at at a certain point you just can't quite help but compare. So you'll hear a lot of that in in this recording. We also talk a lot about the spaceship combat. Of course, being set in space, it's rather inevitable that you're going to get into a skirmish with another spaceship, and so a game set in space needs to have rules to govern that scenario. The rules for that in the book, as it was published, are somewhat infamously, shall I say, intense. And you'll see lots of different opinions online, no surprise there, but I think that the general consensus, and I'm... I'm I'm aware that I am hazarding a an assumption here but the general consensus tends to be from what I can tell that spaceship combat as written in the book is a little bit burdensome it is um probably from what I've heard or uh, I I think it is probably quite a good system if you are getting together with friends to play a spaceship combat simulator and if that is your only expectation I think reasonably That would be a good system for that. If you're getting together with your friends to play a role-playing game in which people play individual characters with their own choices and their own personalities, that spaceship combat scenario isn't quite maximized for that setting. It's the difference, if you've ever heard people talking about the difference between a tabletop role-playing game and a tabletop war game, it's kind of the difference between those two things in in many ways. So, I have an alternate rule set for Starship Combat that I tried during the game, and then as a special sort of bonus session at the end of the game, we played a traditional, or a uh, rules-as-written, spaceship combat scenario. So we do touch on on the differences a little bit between those two systems, Although, probably because we were all there and played it, we don't really go into detail. And so, I will simply say that the alternate rules try to maximize individual character choices, tries to speed up combat by only requiring you to play until one or the other of the ships reaches half of its uh, hit points. Uh, It does away with a lot of the, well, it does away with the phases of, of combat, turns, It just kind of lets everyone go in sequence, do whatever they want to do, using all of their character abilities or some of their character abilities, uh, and sort of ignoring the spaceship itself, which seems counterintuitive. And again, if you're looking for a spaceship combat simulator, it is counterintuitive. But I find for people who'd want to get together to play people running around in space doing cool things, a simpler, quicker system to resolve spaceship conflict seems to be Pretty, pretty nice and well appreciated. So I've had good luck with it so far. It is available on Drive RPG. Just look up simple uh, star, simple starship combat for um, for Starfinder, and it'll come up. It's free or two dollars depending on which you prefer, and uh, I highly recommend it. So that was a completely unsolicited ad, which hopefully will get past the censors. But to be fair, I am recommending it not only because I wrote it, but also because I truly believe that it's a it's a good alternative to Starship Combat as written. So if you are planning on playing Starfinder, just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, that alternate rules do exist, people have been trying it out and seem to be pretty happy with it. I certainly have been quite happy with it, with the games that I've been playing. So let's get into the review. On this call, you'll hear Benny, Ken Fallon, Padrig, Baffled, and me. So let's first roll for initiative, so roll a d20, and if you have your character sheet you can add your initiative bonus, if you don't have it handy, that's fine, we'll just roll your d20.
2: Oh, I should have gotten my character sheet.
1: It's a plus six, right? Yeah. So that's 20. 20 for Padraig. Six. Six for Baffled. 21. 21 for Ken.
3: I rolled a sixteen and I'm trying to find my character sheet. I think it was plus two, but let us just go with the sixteen then. Sixteen.
1: Alright. Uh Ken, how did you get twenty one on a twenty sided die? Did you add your you have your character sheet? I put
4: no, I put in a number twenty one into this. <laughs> <laughs> so let
1: me roll that again, shall I? Twenty one sided die are my favorite this, side. This of could die. be an thing.
4: As to my <laughs> review of this game, by the way. 20! That is 20 amazing. 20 for can. Let me just try that one more time.
2: Well, I rolled... I rolled a 14, but I added what I think is my initiative. All
3: right, and I just checked on my character sheet. It's actually two, so my roll
1: is 18. Oh, it is an 18. Okay, so the first question that we should talk about is the character build process, not how the character played, but how it was to actually build the character. Only a few of you on this call did that. Actually, it was basically one. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, I wasn't sure if the lore that I had heard was true or not, but I think it sounds like it's true. Two people
2: uh, have a custom character, but only one person uh,
1: really... Built the character. Got it. So, Padraig, how did you find the character build process? I um, got my core rulebook. I looked at the part
2: where it says... This is how to build a character. Mm -hmm. And I followed the steps closely. I made a character. Uh, When I knew what to actually do, I made a character for uh, Ken.
1: How was it, do you feel, compared to, like, 5th edition uh, build process? It's
2: more complicated, definitely. Definitely more complicated. There's a lot more stuff. There is the themes, which I like. I like the themes. also i like the fact that you can choose not to have a theme but there is um there's a little less options in um in races and in uh classes which um i don't necessarily think is a bad thing but it is a thing yeah but there's definitely a lot more looking through the book what is this, there's a lot more writing down on the actual thing. Fifth edition, you just, uh, basically, it mostly is just rolling for stats is mostly it. And then a few other stuff just reading from the book. But with this, it's a lot more math and complicated stuff like the KACA, AAC, that kind of stuff. Not something you can do in your head.
1: Yeah, I, f- I feel like... um. I, I agree with you. I think it's more complex, um, in possibly a good way, or, or not even a good way, just like an alternative way. Um, and I do like the themes as well. And I think that you see this a little bit in Fifth Edition, and you see it a little bit in Starfinder. And I hope RPG, other RPGs, take note. Um, and that is this idea that there are like, there's the way to build the character, and then at the at the end of the paragraph, there's like the, and if you don't care to figure all of this stuff out yourself. Here's a here's a quick example, or here's a here are some sane defaults to take. You know, I feel like even in fifth edition, how you have that standard array if you don't want to roll the die for your stats. I just I kind of like that sort of thing, where it's just like, yeah, whatever. In
2: fifth edition, yeah, basically, it it's a. Uh... You also have that in 5th edition, you have that in Starfinder, you have basically, but there they literally just lay down the path which you should take in uh, 5th edition. They do a start, like they just have that kind of basically like a small sentence like, okay, if you don't, if this is your first time playing and you have no clue what to do, this is what you should, and you want to play this Clash This is the background you should pick. This are these are the spells should do this, but not really impeding on your um thing. It it doesn't really do that in Starfinder, but it's very much if you if you want to follow the thing, it goes way further.
1: One cool thing about Starfinder that I'll quickly mention here too is that the uh, the equivalent of the Monster Manual called the Alien Archives. It it has a bunch of playable new playable races so you can not all aliens are playable but there's there's a good handful of aliens in the in the alien archive that are playable races so you get a bunch of new races pretty quickly just just by expanding your library a little bit
2: oh i did not know that that's definitely a good thing but i overall just like the character building thing it's different but it's not necessarily bad the only thing i would is just like background because that's not really there. You have a description, and that's everything for what you basically can do with your background and stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, that is an interesting omission. Um, yeah, that would be a nice thing to have. Yeah, it's probably they probably do have it in a separate book for all I know. But yeah, it's not in the core rule book.
2: Yeah, it's not very clear on what you should do with the factions because they're like factions, mm-hmm. and it's there. in the core rule book and it even says that you can be one of these factions and you can believe in these gods but it doesn't say that anywhere on the character sheet and it doesn't really it's not really clear if you should or
1: should not do it those are primarily aimed at organized play where you go to conventions and and there's record keeping and and it's a very organized process and factions play a big role in those games. But yeah, they don't make that clear in the core rule book at all.
2: For someone who's never been to any of those things who just right, plays it's completely at home, Yeah, yeah, it's totally it's, meaningless. It it I I like them and I chose to include it, but I didn't find anywhere
1: where to do it. Well, Benny, I know that you do have the core rulebook. Did you ever try building a character for Starfinder or no?
3: No, not at all. I just read through the the part where it explains how how to do it, but I just skimmed over it, so I couldn't yeah. it couldn't okay. happen. Form an opinion in this one.
1: Fair enough. Back up to the top of the initiatives is Ken now. How was it to play your character? So in other words, did you feel like your character had lots of features and abilities and things like that? Ken?
4: No, I think I made a fundamental mistake in choosing a coward for my character. And as such, I didn't have any of the weapons or uh, basically all I had was a Swiss army knife. And uh, that was... A major disadvantage. Granted, the sitting along while Podrick created my character for me was quite enjoyable, and I felt this was a really cool character. But I think it was probably a cool character for a different universe than this one.
1: Yeah, great point. I mean, there are games where that would be completely doable. I think, but and I mean, I could have run Starfinder to make that possible, but I was running a a, re- a pre written adventure which you know, focuses I mean it was in fact the first adventure that they published for this game system. So it really does focus, as you can almost tell, on like hitting all of the mechanics and combat is, you know, a big mechanic in in D and D style RPGs. There are other RPGs where that's not such a big deal. Developing a coward for your character is like strangely brave as a player, (laughs) but it does kind of cripple your your actual character sometimes.
2: Yeah, I did warn him. I did warn him. I also warned him that he, he like his character was a great utility character, but we had a lot of engineers, and he was an engineer, so it wasn't really which he
1: had no control over. Yeah, that that was yeah. that was interesting. How many people chose the same the same character type? Um, kind Padre, of how predictable. Did you... Yeah, to be fair, uh, everyone chose mechanic, which is for all intents and purposes the tinkerer in Starfinder, and we're on Hacker Public Radio, so yes, it was. Predictable in retrospect. Patrick, how did you feel about your character? Was it easy and nice to play your character? Lots of features, lots of abilities. Yes, I
2: definitely enjoyed playing my character. It was fun uh, having a character which was actually... If you if you looked at the details, qu- acted quite different from other characters. Running headlong into stuff without forming a plan is very much another thing I usually do. Up-close combat was also very fun, had lots of abilities, especially after I leveled up. The thing is, it's actually with numbers are too big, I think.
1: Yeah, that's, you, you make a good point about those numbers. They do get really big in Starfinder, and it is a little bit strange, uh, and it makes, at least for the Game Master, it makes it makes the, the specifics of following the, the pre-written module very important, because those those numbers like i mean one thing will be a dc 15 and then later it'll be like a dc 35 you know and it's just like it's completely like how do you get to 35 on a 20-sided die well it's all those those modifiers and that's that's very different than um, yeah really a lot of other games i think those are big numbers basically you have to
2: specialize into something you can't not specialize I it's like a great to point. generalize my character and basically have it be able to do a lot of different stuff and do combat. But this was like, okay, so you have to specialize in this and you have to specialize in that. Otherwise, you'll fail. Any rule under the 10 basically felt like, okay, well, this is a failure. Usually it does that, but even like any role under the 15 is like, okay,
1: this is not very good. Benny, what did you think of playing your character?
3: The first problem of my character was this, as you already pointed out, that there were too many copies of my character joining the game because we used the pre-chain mechanic and others used, I think Baffled used the the same character. And at the beginning, there was someone else. At first, I... Chose like two or three of the pre-chained characters, and then in the first session we were only three people, and I was the only one using this character, so that's why I kept it. I think I would have gone with another character if I knew that the next session there will be more copies of, of myself. Apart from this, it was it was a fun character to play because you have all these options. You even have this drone you can use. When you attack, you get an attack for yourself and you can have your drone attack. The other thing I I... I enjoyed having but uh, never used except for once in the first session is is my cheek pouches where I can keep like for for the size of the character a huge amount of stuff in in
1: cheeks. Yes, that's because you're a rat. A rat person, and they they could stuff their their cheeks full of whatever random stuff they want. Yeah, yeah.
3: exactly, exactly. It was like a third of my height cube yeah. <laughs> that I could stuff into yeah. my cheeks. So it's like, I I'm not sure how this physically works, but it was was fun fun having. There were a couple of things in the in the char- character I never quite got how to use them. So I'm not sure whether those were just numbers that were calculated into the stats anyway and didn't matter or whether I just didn't get what it meant and never used it. But I think some of it might be a bit too complicated for a pre-chain character which is meant to be played in an in an introductory game. I think that's how they designed the character. It was it was like saying, Well, if you don't want to go through the whole build and everything, just use those character and uh, characters and do this this adventure i think they give in i'm not sure whether it was in the core rule book or whether it was in in the starter kit where they give you an adventure to play along with those characters
1: yeah i think that's in the starter kit the the introductory end of Starfinder is just it's non-existent you know it's like even as an introductory thing where your character's already built for you the place where you're starting is just way up here you know and you just have to know all of this information a simpler level one character sheet would be a nice thing to have
3: and I think it also adds to the complexity that you your characters live in a world which is completely different to to our world it's not just it's not just our planet and another another reality popped over it. It's like it's completely different in space and everything. But we'll, we'll discuss. I think we'll discuss
1: the world right, later. Baffled, what did you think about playing your character?
5: It was fun. There were so many parameters to the character. And being relative newbie to RPGs, I didn't and I still don't know what the large majority of those things are I could just sort of only follow along and go yeah sure I'll go with that and with a lot of help being explained what they all did you know I think one of the things is that a lot of people chose mechanics as you pointed out They were things that we were already familiar with as hackers. A lot of the other character types that were offered, as far as pre-gen characters went, are things I just have no feeling for or connection to, so I didn't feel I could choose one of them. They were sort of totally alien to my mindset of, what would I do as a biohacker? What would I do as a necromancer? or Whatever it was, technical rants, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know what those things are, so I ended up sort of speaking to s- mechanics because that's as a hacker, that's what you know.
1: <laughs> to be fair, as the game master, I could have, and in retrospect, maybe should have had people choose their character beforehand and then made sure that nobody was choosing the same character. I just kind of felt like it might be interesting to see what would happen if people chose the same class because in theory that shouldn't be a problem. However, I think since they were pre-generated and people were literally taking the exact same mechanic, I probably should not have gone that route. So that's a little bit on me.
5: It was fun though. I mean, I had no problem with having three mechanics. I mean,
3: the good thing was eventually we knew knew the stats of the characters. Yes, we were literally just rattling the the
1: modifiers off. Yeah. Yeah, totally.
2: Uh, May I... Clarify uh, something I said. Um, I this said, is
1: highly irregular. Um, this yeah. is out of the initiative order. But um, mm. I'll, I'll let you take an exception.
2: Just uh, in case someone listens to this. And gets uh, and thinks like. Oh yeah there's a lot of features. There were a lot of features. When I got to second level. And I got to choose this feature thing. And I had my heavy mm. bone blade. That's the only reason. There were a lot of features for me. Because I could do this combo during combat that's the only reason features yes there are lots of features but definitely not early and it's harder to get than you might think from what i
1: just said a soldier was the class that you played correct yeah okay let's talk about rules what did you think of the rules of the game at least insofar as you understood them and that can be part of the question is did you understand the rules let's start back up at the top with ken
4: yes it all seemed fairly logical i have to admit i don't know how much of that is down to i I completely knew this is the first game i've ever played but i've listened to a few so it all kind of made sense and Although I did need to rely on both you and Podrick from time to time to explain what I needed to do, math-wise.
1: Yeah, but you kind of get the feel of it pretty quickly, right?
4: Yeah, yeah. No, it was was obvious. It became very obvious to me I could have done with uh, some more weapons, yes.
1: Um, Just for the record, like in the future, if you're ever playing in a game that I'm running ever again, you just you realize that you've made a horrible mistake with your character choices. You can totally talk to me and we can we can make sure that that is repaired either in story or just magically as a hand wave. So just so, you know, like, yeah, just talk to your game master, anybody who ever. It's
4: interesting to play the character out fully. Okay,
2: cool. Patrick, what do you think of the rules? Yeah, they made sense. They were very similar to what I already know from 5th edition D&D. Though there were some differences, notably what I already said the higher numbers that was one thing which really kind of annoyed me. But other than that it was pretty logical. The the AC will split into two pieces because it's the future. Um yeah, er- everything apart from like starship combat was fairly logical starship combat is weird it's not necessarily bad not necessarily good it's weird the one thing i would change is just if the numbers were smaller it would be near the perfect game i would say because the numbers are so big i can't do my preferred style of play which is specialist special as it which is uh, only specializing in combat. Yeah,
1: no, I think you're making a really interesting point about the forced ability of specialization in order to hit those high numbers. I haven't heard it expressed that way, but it's actually really insightful. It
2: really, really annoyed me. I was, until we... I had, like, I was, like, second level and we had combat stuff where I could do my cool combos. Until that, I was, like, really, like, why do they have these large numbers? I can't really do anything. I am I made my character in, in a way where it was a little bit spread out. Only one rank into anything. Which, yeah, and so I had to go to second level, which no one else did, and to actually be useful. Also, I chose the theme pilot, yet, just because my dexterity was a little lower, um, Ken got to be the better pilot before I uh, reached second level. Right. Interesting. How is that supposed to work? Just because he's got a steadier hand, he beats the
1: the, the, the nerdy pilot guy? I don't really understand that. We're secretly talking about the character build rules again. But I mean, I, I wonder if the reasoning behind this was, well, we want each player to feel like they, that they have a special sort of talent that nobody else on the team has. And, 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 and so they're kind of, don't mind that people are forced into specialization because that's kind of, part of the thing it's like well that's why you're playing this role because you want to be the guy who can do such and such if you do that that there are other ways to do it like features
2: or just having your class just uh uh, being able to roll higher for this kind of stuff just having all the numbers be higher is a possibility and it will work for those who want to specialize but if you don't want to specialize and you just want to be a general character. It's very
1: annoying. Benny, what do you think of the, the, them rules?
3: As everyone else already said, they're pretty close to 5th edition D&D. So a lot of them already make sense if you know the D&D rules, except for certain stats that are, that are different or don't exist. Like the the fact that you have KAC and EAC yes, was it called, and not just an armor class. And hit points hit points work, work differently because you've got up points first, and when they're used you, you up, you hit on the hit points. But apart from this, it was, was mostly clear. Actually, the point is, I, I like the fact that the, the numbers were higher to make a counterpoint here, because it kind of felt right in this world where... That everyone has to to specialize in something and as a team, you felt more like you depended on each other than in a dnd game where everyone plays whatever he likes, right? And here you actually have to make sure you have a pilot on the team because otherwise you, you won't be able to fly a starship and you have to make sure that you have a mechanic on the team who's also good with computers because eventually you want to fix this starship or like hack another starship or something. And the downside was at some point McNalu left the game. So we were the only, the only person with healing power was kind of gone and so we had problems staying alive because of this you have to put more effort into designing the team and not just just the character and i think that's also what what the pre-gen characters were built built to do that's why the mechanic was actually specialized in in engineering and computers there was no pre-generated like general ability character i think in
1: fifth edition one of the common complaints or or criticisms, I guess, is that, yeah, character... Like, everyone can cast spells now in in D&D, whereas it used to be that wizards could cast spells, or wizards and clerics, and and that was it. And if you wanted magic... But nowadays you can just play a rogue and get spells at a certain point. So it's it definitely encourages the generalization of the characters. This seems to take a different tact.
3: It's not only that that the numbers are higher, it's also the ranges are are larger. So for for some checks you might not need such a high number, and good for point. for other checks, you might need a high number. So, it's kind of it's kind it's not like you always for everything you need a specialized person to to do this. Sometimes there are tasks that can mm-hmm. be done by everyone, and sometimes there are tasks wh- where you have to have someone who specializes in in something.
1: We get it into our head that we have to roll high. But I mean, sometimes the DC is only five. You don't have to roll high, you know, you just have to not fail completely. And so it's fine.
3: With a DC of five, it also makes sense that some people just succeed without even rolling a die because they they're just specializing in something and this task is so easy that obviously they they can't fail because they're they've got the ability to to do like more difficult things in in this field.
1: Yeah. And once again, the sort of the mythos of D and D style games is that if you roll Roll a one; it's a crit fail, critical failure. But in reality, that's not true. That's the uh, rules say that that's in combat situations. So, in if it's like, yeah, you're you're rolling to I don't know, uh, log into a computer or something, and it's only a DC five. You can easily roll a one, and your bonus of four or five will get you over the over that DC, and so you succeed, even though you have literally rolled yeah, a one. Exactly. So people forget that a lot. I think I will bring up some things that you made me think of, though, that I took down, that I took a note of during play. One is the weapons. Remember, we had a little bit of a problem understanding how to know whether a weapon targets a player's KAC or EAC, and that was a little bit odd, I thought, because there's a lot of terminology around the weapons, and it, there's, it doesn't really just say in the weapon stat, you know, like, targets KAC, which would be beautifully easy. It says, like, analog... And then I think you go off of the damage type to figure out whether it's EAC or KAC. And I thought that was needlessly complex.
3: Yeah, I I guess that's where this science part of science fiction comes (laughs) into play. Yeah,
1: Um, I don't want to think that hard in my RPG. In Starfinder, you have resolve points which you can spend to regain stamina points. Once you're depleted from your stamina points, you have health points. The idea is that you have resolve to stay alive, and so you're just pushing through, and this builds up your stamina to continue going. But once your stamina and your resolve has drained for the day, then you, when you take damage, you're actually taking like physical, mental, sort of like actual damage to your body, and that can kill you. So this is obviously a timer technique, because they don't want you to be able to just replenish your health points whenever you want, but they do want you to be able to stay alive. So you can spin the resolve, if you have it, to get your stamina up, and that gives you a little bit of a boost, but then you start to get drained back down. So it's, it's a timer mechanism, which... D&D 5th edition does quite elegantly with hit die, where you can take a short rest and you have a certain number of hit die that you can spend to boost your health points back up. And once all your hit die are finished, then you'd better rest for the the day because now you're starting to actually be damaged. Two different approaches to the same problem of how to keep characters alive while also making it a risk to, to be in this world. And I feel like the Resolve Stamina hit points is a little bit clunky i feel the the number of resolve points you have to spend starts to increase as your character level increases which seems weird to me why does it take a level 5 character more resolve to stay alive than a level 1 character or whatever it just feels a little bit weird and then just having to track three values for your health seems really really kind of clunky to me i do like that system i like the in,
2: in D fifth edition i usually whenever it's possible i take a long rest instead of a short rest because i don't really like the die things this makes it mm. way easier for me to use because it doesn't feel like oh no i have to spend the thing it's like it's there you could it's, it's supposed to be used it's not an option but What I really think was weird, it does make kind of sense, but you can't gain HP back through taking a long rest. Because it would make sense, because it's not a hospital, and because of that sole reason, my fight, my soldier, wasn't really able to do a lot in the fight against that space demon thing, which... It should have been able to do more, it was not for the fact that its entire HP was completely gone because of the space zombies fault the day before but
3: I, I think i like the idea that you need medical attention when you lose hit points you you can't just rest and then you you're you're fine again because that's that's how you gain stamina that's not how you gain health back in this game if you use i feel if you lose health points it actually means you're you're physically damaged and you need you need some attention to get this fixed
5: listening to this conversation has brought up some thoughts about it is this universe, I think part of the reason it has is may have as many attributes and different types of values, resolution, stamina, and that type of thing is, it appears to be a very in-depth, long-term universe playing style. And coming to it as a pre-gen character and not being familiar with RPG in general, there's no way in the realm of one scenario, or two if you want to call the starship another scenario, uh, that you can really become comfortable with why those rules were set up and why those rules give you so many options. Because really it appears, from my perspective, that it's a system meant to be played many different scenarios and have characters build those qualifications and those abilities over a period of time and uh, through a series of adventures, we sort of took a shortcut, it seems to me. At least from my perspective, that's why I don't understand or didn't understand a lot of what all those things I was able to do. I mean, for instance, the cheek pouch. I thought they were cool, but I was never clear whether cheek pouch meant in my cheek Until you guys were talking about cheap pouch just now, and we're talking, you know, five weeks into the process, I wasn't clear what they meant. I just thought, oh, well, it's a hip pouch that I wear on my butt sort of thing. (laughs) So I think the rules are probably fine for people who engage in many scenarios of this game, who really get into the universe and really want to play a lot, constantly, different scenarios and stuff like that. I mean, it seems to me that having specialized in mechanics or wizards or whatever, and having the ability or the wish to take on other aspects, so whether a mechanic should be able to do healing or something like that, would need to have some sort of a system of education and They could work towards other capabilities, maybe that they didn't have automatically. You know, because I think everybody gets into a scenario and then they wish they could have something or they had something they didn't necessarily have when they started out. You know, there's a couple of times when I was sitting back in the ship being a coward. I was a better coward than Ken was um, because I stayed in the ship and just did everything through my drone. But I was wishing that I had the ability to move the ship around, to to be a pilot, because there I was all by my lonesome, and, you know, I didn't have the ability to move the ship if it needed to be moved, sort of thing. There's
1: probably an eternal push and pull for, for RPG designers, whereby you have to decide, like, when your players start the game, are they going to feel like a hero now, or are they going to feel like a loser now, with the promise that they're going to be heroic five games from now? And... Starfinder, and I think D&D 5th Edition, and and that style of game, the D&D style of game, at least today, the style is, let's start out everyone sort of as a hero. We're going to assume that they're all, like, the characters are adults, they've been through a lot already, and so they have a bunch of skills and a bunch of abilities, and that's where they're going to start. And I think for players, the disadvantage to that is now you have to know a lot when you look at that character sheet you have to know about all of these crazy abilities and features that you suddenly have and you know yesterday you didn't know those things existed in in the real world and in the game world you you've been doing this for for 20 years or however old your character is and the counterpoint to that is just to start everyone out really low where no one has any abilities and they're just regular joes but i think the the criticism to that is that that's kind of boring to play and that's why not that's not why people play an rpg they play because they want to feel heroic and do really cool things wasn't
3: dead earth a bit like this i mean you start out as a loser and you kind of stay a loser or or you die but it was still was still fun to play the there was wasn't like a way to develop your character to a hero at least i felt
1: that way yeah i agree yeah i think it can be done but well both ways. And I mean, even I I don't, I've never quite understood why D&D didn't just use level one through five, let's say to be, yeah, you're just a loser developing your skills. And for people who don't want to start out as a loser, you can just say, well, I only play in games that start at level five or whatever, you know, like, I don't understand why, why we use one you know like wh- why we can't have both in other words
5: scenarios that aim at people's skill level within that universe sort of thing in dnd fifth
2: edition i think that they should add like zero level a fourth level eighth level because that's like in cr that those exist so they should add that mm-hmm. for people who want to play it like that. When I say like um, I don't like that I have to specialize I mean with skills because I like skills not just because they're useful but mostly just because I now have more numbers on my um character sheet and I like that. Doesn't
3: Shadowrun has, have this concept of like three different uh, ways to build a character? You either can build like a, a character that just starts out in the shadows and or one that's already accustomed to it a bit and or a hero, yeah. hero, shadow runner. And then I think everyone has to build the same type of character and then the, the adventure you play is adapted to whatever how ha- however you you decide yeah, to start Yeah, And off. I
1: quite like that about shadow run I, I like that you can your 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 game master can say, okay everyone build a street level character or build a professional character and and you, you can kind of adjust tweak your, your settings as to where you're actually starting out because of that. That that
2: sounds like a like good system I think.
1: Well, the trade off is that it takes eight years to learn Shadowrun apparently. Um, okay, <laughs> <laughs> next next yeah. question is the world setting. What did you think of the Shadow the <laughs> Starfinder universe, Ken? What you saw of it at least.
4: I liked it very much. I must say, I did. Uh... The one thing about the the whole universe, which we didn't get to cover in the in the book or in this uh, game period, but that is the fact that there's magic in there. Seems a bit odd to me that there's magic, but that's just uh, my personal. It's funny
1: you you yeah. Dislike. It's funny that you would mention that because that that was going to be the question that I specifically asked you. So you so it sounds like you you don't prefer your sci-fi with magic you prefer your sci-fi with sci-fi yeah
4: because uh sci-fi with magic is uh you know just cupping out all of a sudden we can do something and then that's fine
1: i think I, i do like that starfinder actually does separate science from fantasy pretty sort of well. Like once you get into the monsters it gets a little bit dicier. But then again monsters are are interesting anyway and what looks like quote unquote magic to when a monster does it doesn't necessarily mean it's magic. Kind of depends on what you're choosing. But If you were to play, if you wanted to play a very science-heavy Starfinder game, it is my belief, although I've not actually done it, but it is my belief that it could be done. You could just say, nobody's going to build a magic user, and we're not going to have this planet of the undead. Push that off to the side and have a a sci-fi. Yeah, you could
4: do, but then I suppose you could do D&D in a space universe as well. It's built into the game, so not using it is kind of defeating the game. You know, if you were playing with somebody who really is into magic, then uh, that wouldn't be a great well, game I for would... them, would it?
1: No, no. Yeah. I would, well, yeah. And that's why I haven't done it yet. <laughs> I haven't found it. Uh, I, I believe that if you had a group of players who th- who said, we want to play in space, we don't like magic in space, then I, I think you could run Starfinder as as that. So that's my assertion. But it's, it's as yet unproven. You by mentioned
4: me. that there was some other type of game that was more a spacey game, but didn't have magic in it. So why not play that one? would be my answer.
1: Uh well th- the reason would be because I know for instance as a game master I know D&D rules really really well. So, Starfinder super easy for me to game master. I don't have to learn really anything new whereas if I were to run say Traveller, uh then I would have to be learning a whole new system. So, uh, I get it, yeah.
4: Okay. Yep. Cool. cool.
1: Yeah, purely functional. Uh what do you think of the world setting? i loved it i
2: that was my favorite chapter in the Ru book. just the whole background of the world and stuff the fact that there and there's the gap it's the gap is so annoying yet so great because i want to play the game and um figure What's out the, the lore of the game at the same time the gap is a is a a gap in history. Nobody. Who, people who live through it. Can't remember anything. It's some sort of weird. Unexplained phenomenon. No one knows what it is. So there are. If you read closely. There are some stuff. Which like. Weren't affected. As much by the gap. Or which lived through it. But all. N- normal. Conventional. Historical. Stuff. Is pretty much all gone. And I like that. And uh, I like The fact that there is a blend of magic and um and of sci-fi uh the fact that there's also um like a part in the back which uh lets you able to convert your um pre-existing um uh pathfinder characters into uh this game and that made me think wait i didn't know anything about pathfinder but could this be, like, the future of Pathfinder or a Pathfinder thing? Where it's, like, in the future and that's why there's magic? Yeah, I like all the planets. I like all the factions. I I, I love just the entire background of everything and anything and stuff. And that there's a timeline. There's a massive timeline of stuff. And a map. And anything, anything who uh, anyone who likes lore... Should definitely read the last, the Pact's World chapter.
3: Well, as you know by now, I'm I'm a fan of sci-fi settings anyway, more than like the the traditional fantasy setting. And unlike Ken, I also don't mind magic. I I like. I mean, I like sci-fi and I like magic and and dragons and and stuff. That's why I also enjoyed Shadowrun. And I think. The one thing that, I mean, I don't know a whole lot about the world, but the one thing that makes kind of sense is that you have different races in this world because it's a a space travel, right? So those races can come from different planets, unlike with Shadowrun where you have this weird awakening where suddenly there are like trolls and and elves in, in the world where there have been none before, or at least not visible. I think the one thing that I found a bit difficult was what I already said before, the the world is so different from what we are used to on on our planet. I mean, even we kind of had a hard time orienting because there was no north or south. And sometimes we started again with north and south, but there were there are no poles. So how do you how do you know where north and south is? And also, with us, with the space fight, I mean, it's a three dimensional world with no gravity. So, where is up? Where is down? Why are are the spaceships? generally traveling on the same plane. I think at one point you said the spaceship can go over the other spaceship and this kind of doesn't even make sense because there is no over yeah. or under. I mean, they, they don't even have to have the same alignment with regard to where their wings are and everything. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to imagine how, how a world in space works yeah. where where it's a lot easier if you're just on Earth in a different future century.
2: So uh, let me get this straight. You're basically saying that uh, space is hard to um, no because we're humans and we live on a round ball floating through space, but we don't actually live in space. But uh, it's yes, way exactly. easier it's... if you are on another ball floating through space with the same laws of, of physics as us because... We can navigate then
3: because we can well i haven't played the game where you're on a on a different planet, so all all the other games we played were on earth in a in a fantasy setting or in a
2: in a future Choro. setting. And then you can we in in Sorry? the game we just normally play it's Toril, a oh, completely yeah. different planet. Yeah, true. Technically, true. even Earth exists true. in the and D fifth edition. If I'm pretty, if I uh, heard it correctly. Yes. But we don't right. play on there, so it's just the fact that we're that we yeah. weren't on a planet, which we could technically do. So you're basically saying that space is hard to navigate. Yeah, you
3: you you always you keep applying you keep applying your your uh physics the physical rules you know from from earth right and a lot of them just don't apply in space and that's where it it kind of gets difficult to to figure
2: out what's actually happening yeah yeah i i definitely i definitely definitely agree it's
1: complicated i feel like starfinder does make it a little bit even more confusing in a way because at least this adventure that we played through dead suns because at times they would have artificial gravity that's you know basically sci-fi magic gravity and then at other times they'd say there's no gravity here so
3: at one point there was like a door where on on the yeah. other side of the door there was artificial gravity so we didn't know how how does this work if you open the door are you then pulled <laughs> into the door by gravity or are you unaffected until you step over over into into the the whole way
5: baffled what did you think of the world setting yes, that you so. saw <laughs> um thinking about stuff that people are, have been talking about here and i found some disconnects i'm not a big fan of zombie stories and vampire stories so i found myself saying or thinking how can you kill an undead with a bullet like i mean I'm thinking while we're playing this, they're already dead. How are you going to kill them? One of the other disconnects that happened for me is with what Ben and Podrick were just saying, was so many of the activities flipping over the spaceship or barrel rolling, you know, those are airborne techniques that we are aware of from aerodynamic, you know, airplane fighting, which certainly would have absolutely no relevance to an in-space adventure or in-space scenario. So they were kind of disconnects. I didn't mind having them, but those thoughts still crossed my mind. Like, you know, how is it that I'm going to kill a zombie with a gun? You know, it just didn't make sense to me. But then, even in reality, when we're talking about what is accepted technology and what is not accepted technology, we have difference of opinions in real life. So, for instance, you've got the standard model of the Big Bang Theory versus the Electric Universe model, which is quite a bit different than the Big Bang Theory. And we have people arguing about those things in real life over time, and people who are adherents of one universe are not adherent of the other universe whether something is magic or something is science or whether it's real science or pseudoscience i don't know how you'd actually nail that down so i think to play a game that's in a in a universe that has a world and and stuff like that you just need to be able to say okay these are the rules we're going to accept because we want to play this game and we want people to have a good time. And you're just going to have to suspend any thoughts or feelings you have of other realities, or you don't see it that way, sort of thing. Because certainly there are disconnects, and and I had them. And maybe I'm just not maybe I'm just not used to sinking myself, enveloping myself in these RPG universes yet. And that's why I find they're kind of weird. I I wasn't sure
1: how what kind of answers I was going to hear. That's really, really interesting. I'm I'm a fan of the world setting myself, but then I'm kind of a fan of any world setting. It's just kind of it's fun. And I will say that I I quite like the one of the things that I quite like about Starfinder is that it does encompass the whole universe. So like whatever you want, you can pretty much do. Like if if you have a bunch of players who are like we really just want to play on. A desolate wasteland. Well, then you set your adventure on a planet where everything is a wasteland. If they want to play a game set in the jungle, yeah, you know, it's just like you've got everything you could possibly need, and everything is just as likely as anything else. So, like I was saying to Ken, if you want to play without magic, then you can play without magic. It's, it really is a sort of an all purpose science fiction setting. And I mean, even heck, you wouldn't even have to go to a different planet. Like, even. Absalom Station, the sort of default setting of Starfinder, or the the central point. Even that has multiple levels, and you can just say, "Well, it's a really big station," and to you, your your universe, quote unquote, is this one level. That's all you know in the world. You don't have the money to get on a starship and jump around space. This is the adventure we're going to play. So it's it's very flexible, which I quite like.
2: Yeah, I agree. For instance, you could also solve the solve the uh, problem with like. How do you imagine navigating in space by just saying okay, so um so the packed world's decided for navigation in space, we're gonna go decide that this is up, that is down, that's that, no, that's that true, way, yeah. that's that way, that's that way, and stuff. Uh for instance, doing something like, okay, it's aligned to the packed world sun, or it's in line to the Center of the Milky Way, or something, and that's something people would do because people are very bad at navigating space otherwise.
1: And that would be an ISO standard sense. for for space navigation, yeah, absolutely. No, if that's you great... want to
2: go a step further, you could just say, Okay, artificial gravity aligns in this way, so even the, then, even the spaceships would align. So, I just think that's that might be a solution. Some
1: great ideas there. Let's talk about combat. Kind of have a feeling that everyone is going to... I mean, combat is basically the same as combat in D&D, really. So I don't think we're going to have differing opinions there. If you do, you can speak up. But let's also encompass space combat. Boy, this is a complex question. I'm going to just ask lots of different questions to each of you. Ken, what did you think of combat? And by combat, I mean right now on-the-ground combat.
4: It would have helped to have uh, more than a penknife. <laughs> yes. Although, you have a club. Yeah, that, yeah you a that's club, true. Eventually. Well, the penknife, when I only had a penknife, I was able to throw a d20 and kill a zombie, so that, that was good. That was pretty phenomenal. Then when I got the club, I had a false sense of security, and then... <laughs> bit off more than i could chew but standing as an observer and by standing i mean lying down dead in a suspended animated state it was actually quite fun and that was kind of the reason i went uh, i went on to the android or uh, asteroid because it's boring if you were not going to be involved in the combat and i didn't have a, a remote I, I... Uh, drone to to do any of the to sit back in safety and have a remote drone, which in hindsight would have made more sense.
2: Yes, yeah, sir. About the I, I don't know what you've got
3: against Swiss Nothing. Army knives. I mean, I, I live <laughs> like I live like two kilometers, not even one kilometer, from the factory where they were made. So they're they're great tools.
4: I've got a couple of them. I don't have anything against it. In fact, that was the only thing I had to have a weapon. And that was the only thing that I thought my character a coward would have. Ground combat was good, was just general good. I lo
2: I just I just liked it. I like I liked that they split the AAC and the KAC. I didn't think that was confusing at all. The only thing was what I already said with the hit points and stuff. And that at that first level you have of course not really many features. When I was at second level I just had a heavy bone blade which for some reason is cheaper than a long sword and better at the same time so it, definitely if if you're making a character and you're thinking oh I want a sword get a heavy bone blade because it's cooler it it's it's cheaper and it's better and basically I could I could attack twice if I hit I could attack twice and also um it would make them staggered which would mean that they could only either move or attack not move and attack which was very handy it's huge yeah yeah Yeah. you have to hit though it won't it it won't work if you don't hit if you miss then sorry you're out of luck as you as you already already said
3: it's kind of the same as in as in dungeons and dragons with uh KAC and EAC, once you've figured this out and once you've figured the stamina points and hit points out, it's basically... More or less the same thing. The the one thing I enjoyed is having having a drone, so you could technically attack something from, from two different angles, which kinda was kinda fun. Was was different from Dungeons and Dragons where you're just standing wherever you're standing and attack from there, either with a melee or a ranged weapon.
4: You also had the benefit of being able to double up your attack uh because you had that drone. Yeah, drones are really powerful.
2: Yes,
3: yes. I don't remember how the rules were, but I think I had to use if I wanted the drone to move and attack at the same time, I had to use my own move action for this, so I could only either move myself or or the drone in one in one round,
1: which I think is kind of a beautiful system. I really like that you can you can get the two attacks, but you have to sacrifice the sort of security of movement, which you know not that's not always a big deal, but sometimes it's yeah, a huge and deal also
3: uh, as soon as you're you're positioned, you can attack with uh, the drone and with your own weapon. So you don't, or you can you can move yourself and just have the drone hover in in the same place, and then it still gets to attack.
1: It's generally recognized that in fifth edition, the combat really is the main mechanic in combat is the action economy you know you you get you get one attack generally speaking and getting more than one attack is a very special i mean benny doesn't know this because he's playing a monk but to most people more than one attack is a huge deal like that's really hard to get um so i don't feel like it's as much of a thing in starfinder they kind of they don't seem to care as much which I think it's fine. I think it works out well and I, I think the move the the action economy in fifth edition is kind of probably my least favorite aspect of of fifth edition I think.
2: I I don't mind the action economy like I, um, I don't mind
1: it. I'm just saying it's my least I, favorite part of fifth I edition. I don't
2: I also don't think it's my least favorite, but that might just be me being uh only really playing uh fifth edition or mm-hmm. only really caring for it because I I, I have those books yeah but yeah i like it mostly Uh, i i do kind of like the action economy i don't hate it if they change it it wouldn't be too bad for me i guess would depend on what the what it would be replaced with um yeah for instance when uh it does make some abilities like um, you get an extra attack, that's it, and it will take up like, an um, uh, you have to be fifth level, you have to have this uh, thing, and it will take up another thing. That's definitely worth it, like compared to another thing where you do extra damage, you're like... Ooh, I don't really know. Do I want an extra attack? Or do I want extra damage? Extra damage means that if I hit, I'm guaranteed to have um more damage, yet if I um don't hit, um I uh can attack again and if I hit twice I can uh do way more damage than that just one time, so that's why like fifth edition, it's not Starfinder but
1: yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, no, um, it's definitely, I mean, it's a design choice, and I don't think either one is wrong. It's just a diff- different different way of, of approaching it. Baffled, what did you think of combat?
5: I liked the drone that we had. I didn't think I was going to like it before we started the game out, but considering that I hid behind my drone for pretty much the entire game, I didn't have the issue with having to share moves like, um, like Benny did with uh, coordinating whether he was going to move or taking a move for the drone to be able to fight. I just got to use the drone as a my my basic proxy. The battles themselves, I'm very, like, <laughs> I keep hiding behind this newbie persona. I don't know what, didn't know what to expect from a combat thing. I mean, I wish real life's fighting was as nice as rolling a piece of dice and having it over with immediately. <laughs> It was uh, dicey. I mean, I guess that's good if if you felt
1: like there was some some risk, but not too much risk. And I think it's really interesting the the fact that so many did, so many people did take the mechanic. We did get a lot of variety as it at, in the end of of play styles because yeah, it's it's worth noting that baffled played his character such that his character stayed in a spaceship, and just sent out his drone to do like literally everything, all of the exploration, all the combat, which like. You know, like, in real life, that's exactly what we would do. Like, if you had the choice of going out and risking your own life or just sending a drone who could basically do everything you could do, except I think your drone couldn't open doors, right? That's one drawback. But other than that, like, it was such a smart, smart thing to do and really a fascinating way. One thing I had to
5: depend on my teammates for is somebody to recover the drone and repair it. Thank you, Benny, for that when it did manage to get zapped i mean that was its main drawback i couldn't do it myself
2: i recovered it and benny fixed it like i think zach really was like i zach wasn't smart enough it will it was smart apparently smarter than the average person which is disturbing but um he really just was like Oh look, a room. Let's go into it. Really just first intuition. Not planning at all. No planning whatsoever needed. And it, for some reason,
1: worked out usually. Except with the zombies cool all right let's talk now about space combat and um you'll all know that we played two different styles of space combat one was um, a custom rule set developed by me for um really i thought to fit better into the rpg game um because i felt like the rules for Starfinders starship combat it's basically a separate game ken what did you think of the, the of the space combats that we played
4: first one I took in and the second one I didn't and the first one seemed fine all the much better actually that was quite cool and exciting to be honest it really felt um it appealed to me on the story level uh it felt like you were in I don't know Battlestar Galactica or something it was actually going on the first one
2: I can't really remember but I didn't really hate it and wasn't i i i i liked it but i'm pretty sure the the only problem i had was that i was rolling terrible so all my epic stunts which i did were not great i also didn't have a plus nine in piloting yet so that yeah that wasn't very helpful the second one though was a uh, different it wasn't bad but Then again, we didn't play it with more characters than roles. Because there's like five roles you can do. And um, we played with three people. Three characters, basically. Um, And so uh, we didn't really experience much limitation. Except for the fact that you had to follow the guide thing. It wasn't like... You can scan first, uh, fix later. No, was we'll fix first, scan later, which might, um, which kind of makes sense. To si- the 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 uh, it, the fact that you can't choose which one you're gonna do first is a little weird. The fact that you scan during the piloting phase is also a little weird. I would put it in the engineering phase, but. Basically, it does make sense, like, it's supposed to be, um, middle round, so it, like, you acted before, then you're going to fix the wounds of your ship, you're gonna fix your shields, you're gonna fix your hull, and stuff, um, and then you're gonna move and, uh, s- scan um and then you're gonna shoot that makes sense and then i think they thought like okay so you're going into combat so you're gonna skip the engineering phase if it's like your first round and you're immediately gonna scan and move but in fact no you don't skip because you can do helpful stuff which would be uh, which is why i think they should be bu- do the scanning part in like the engineering phase because you're gonna scan first then you're going to be like okay we're gonna divert more power to these things um because now you have a plan and then you're gonna move and shoot stuff but it would you could easily like fix those problems with just making the characters be able to decide what they're doing like a normal fight but it's not necessarily bad it's not necessarily good it's different it doesn't really feel out of place too necessarily
3: the one point that kind of confused me with the second the the Starship combat session we had last week was why would they even put a completely, more or less completely different game into this game? And to be honest, I didn't enjoy the Starship combat as much as everything else in Starfinder. So it kind of seemed a little bit needless to me to put put another game into into Starfinder, I would have enjoyed it more if starship combat was just an adaption of the, of the regular fighting rules and without all those all those special rules that made it technically a different game. I think to me it was to the whole. Starship combat was too restricted. It felt more like a board game and less like an RPG. And I prefer playing an RPG where you have... Use your own fantasy to to figure out what your character is doing than to
2: a board game where you stick to strict rules and and follow the rules. I didn't necessarily equate that it felt like a board game. Now that I think about it, you definitely act like in board game more strategizing than normally
5: as padrick stated i don't remember the first games space combat all that detailed um uh, to to be honest i just skipped over this one it was a more um realistic thing i think the second starship combat i wasn't crazy about it, to tell you the truth a We outclassed the other ship by so much, it was kind of to me like a game of risk. Whoever has the most armies on a property is going to win, because all they got to do is keep throwing dice until they got it. And I don't think that this game with the space combat, the spaceship combat thing... I don't think we could have lost considering we outclassed them three to one on just about everything except whatever that AC was that, that they had higher than us. But it was clear right from the outset that all we had to do was hang in there and we were going to win. That just didn't have a game to me.
1: Yeah, and that was my, my bad. I, I, I should have gotten the correct <laughs> enemy Starship stats. But I... I think that Benny's analogy of the official rules being, like, a board game is spot on. And yeah, the player agency just is completely removed in Starship Combat, to speak to Padraig's point. Like, the fact that you can't scan when you want to scan. You have to wait for a certain phase. It's just, it's like, this isn't art role-playing. This is... This is like some weird sort of simulations board game system. It just doesn't make any sense by any stretch of the imagination. So it's you go from complete freedom as your role playing character to like this bizarre restrictions of of spaceship. Combat And it just feels, it is, it's a different game. And the fact that none of you seem to remember the initial space combat is great. That's essentially what it was designed to do, is just to fit right into the rest of the game, doesn't remove you from the role-playing experience, you get to do what you want to do, it should feel very fluid, it is essentially like ground combat, except you all do happen to be in a spaceship. But there's a lot of agency, you get to do stuff, and it doesn't last long either, which is another benefit. Even with you outranking your enemy in that final combat, I mean, it took us like an hour and a half to get through that process. That's just crazy. That's a huge investment on a role-playing game. It's it's like every combat, every spaceship encounter is going to take at least 90 minutes. And if you only play for two or three or four hours, that's that's a big chunk of time of not actually role-playing. For the record, though, playing Starship Combat with you guys, the official Starship Combat with you guys, was the first time I ever had fun playing that system. Like, I've I've played it and game-mastered the official Starship Combat several, several times now, and it was miserable every single time, but... I actually had a lot of fun playing with you guys.
3: Yeah, maybe this was just because we outclassed the other ship.
1: That definitely probably colored things differently. Although, honestly, Baffled says that's not very sportsmanlike, but it actually kind of, it did help. Because trust me, we wouldn't have even gotten through the spaceship combat if, if you hadn't outranked that other starship. Because what ends up happening from experience is that they keep fixing their shields they keep rebalancing their shields you keep hitting them they keep hitting you you fix your shields it goes on forever i mean it can go on for just hours at a time of of time it is not fun it's just not fun the fact that you could actually get their shields down and then explode them was a huge benefit to us all
2: i didn't think of that yeah that's that's really possible just you could be in an eternal fight constantly shooting constantly fixing never getting any progress done
1: yeah i mean there is a system eventually that will cause their systems to glitch and do unpredictable things there is entropy eventually but it takes a long time to get there from my experience generally people agree that it, it goes on way too long uh, on, a, on at the best of times so basically what you're saying is it would
2: feel like that one battle we did in the in the fifth edition DD thing which baffled wasn't in but sorry that make the reference but yeah basically uh, where we were fighting this one guy who would regenerate and oh, that's right every the time yeah yeah and it would and it literally took us like uh like two sessions start, or something yeah and the session in the middle another session to finish it and it was so long. I'm so glad I skipped that troll that one time. That would have been horrifyingly <laughs>
1: long, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, let's do final thoughts. Final thoughts. Ken, would you play again, for instance? Nope. Oh, that's surprising. You seem to have very glowing reviews all the way through, but your answer is no, you'll never play again.
4: No, I'll never play again. I think it completely turned me off role-playing games. Um, the whole combat thing uh the the fact that there was very little character development or anything interesting happened we arrived at a rock and we've killed some monsters and then we flew away it seems kind of superficial to me in the same way that you know we're in a tavern and we go to a cave and we kill a vampire
1: yeah yeah um well for the record though that is that is this that is this style of game like you can definitely find rpgs that are not all about combat so um yeah, it just kind of That's depends. That's what I told him.
2: Yeah, yeah. Maybe we should
3: find one of those for for our next review.
1: Yeah, if I, I could definitely drum up a system that actually actively discourages combat. I would say Dead Earth, for instance, discouraged um, combat because you were pretty fragile in, in theory.
4: But I think a period, I I would need a period away from it, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll invite you back start some other time. The first, uh, the first few games was was good and oddly enough listening to the games that you did on hpr or even um lost in bronx's one that was more interesting to me and it was more interesting listening to the combat in that for some weird reason but being in it myself i just felt uh yeah i'm sitting here now i can't do anything and yeah. i have to wait for six people to go yep. whereas in real life it doesn't happen like that. But listen to the podcast of the show. It's kind of weird because, okay, now we're cutting to the action scene. The first guy has shot and then the second guy is shot, third guy is shot. But I'm sitting there wondering, okay, what am I going to do? I've got this uh, excellent Swiss Army knife, highly recommended. What am I going to do in the next thing? Yeah, uh, it wasn't as interesting to play as it was to sit down and listen to, oddly enough.
3: I think one point you, you mentioned is also our, our party was a Maybe a tiny, a little bit too large. So it kind of took a long time until you got to do something again in, in a fight. Because there were so many people fighting.
2: Yeah, that was generally in the beginning, I'm pretty sure. After that, like with four people, four people is... It still takes a little time, but it, it
1: it's a lot less. Yeah, it's, it's true. I mean, amazingly, even in 5th edition, and we only play with three player characters, that can take time. So I think yeah, I think RPG combat because it breaks out into those turns, it, it it is I think some people do find it pretty pretty boring. I don't find it boring personally, but um, I know lots of people who find combat in RPG very boring. Which is fine. The default setting for D style games like yeah, the D derivative games such as Starfinder and, and Fifth Edition, um, is like pretty heavy combat. Like that's just part of the game people there's there's a crowd that really really likes that and i get really impatient with rpgs that are too talky strangely
4: Mm. enough well to me i felt it was a bit of a a bit of a missed opportunity we had this cool spaceship we got this cool got one two three four different spaceships that were all cool and we didn't get to i felt they were a bit like a two-dimensional thing it's probably what they were because they're just a map but it didn't really matter that, <laughs> yeah, you, mm-hmm. you know, there was there was no novelness about any of the spaceships. It was just you're on the spaceship and it's going to be faster. You're on this spaceship and it's going to be slower. There was no there was no meat on the mm-hmm. bone of the spaceships. I felt.
1: Yeah, I mean the fact that we were playing an adventure path that is very much like you know get the players here, get them here, get them there. That is quite restrictive for a four week game. That's it's kind of almost. I think, kind of important. But there is a different style of playing where you just let the players decide what they want to do. You know, they, they get in a the spaceship, they decide where to go, they go to a yeah, world, yeah, You yeah. you decide what the world has on it, and they explore it, you know, that sort of thing. Different style of game and probably not my specialty, frankly. Um, I had a game master who who really, really did that sort of thing really well, where he could just come up with all kinds of stuff off the top of his head, and it was always amazing. But yeah, I think for, for the short games anyway, if you give the players too much agency, strangely, I think that it starts to stall, because then everyone's just sort of huddering around without any purpose, so I think for the shorter games, railroading the players is a little bit of an essential thing. I could be wrong on that, that's just my opinion. I think that's mm-hmm. really interesting, Ken, that that you, um, you want a little bit more story development out of your RPGs. I think that's totally a fair criticism. To be fair, you guys, on our 5th edition game... Um, you you guys do a really surprisingly good job of avoiding combat sometimes, which is cool. So and it does demonstrate I thought yeah, it can be done. It's just the game master has to be open to it, which is easier to do, like I say, when there's like this just this great expanse of endless time, you know. It's like I don't care how long it takes you to get through the abyss. Like you can take 5 weeks or 1 week, you know, it doesn't matter. Whereas in the Starfinder game, I knew that I needed to get us through this adventure in 4 weeks and that was that. <laughs> so, yeah, a little bit of a different different requirement.
2: In in the in the the 5th edition thing, uh, we like I mostly try to avoid combat for the sole reason of it takes time. Mm-hmm. It takes more time to do combat than to avoid combat. It takes more in-game time maybe. Overall, it might take more time, but we can do more in one session if we don't go into combat. Great point. I like combat. I love. I might even love combat, but it takes lots of time, and I just want to play D and D. Um, and I want to progress in the story. Otherwise, it doesn't feel like we did that much. So yeah that's why I usually try to avoid combat plus then
1: it's easier with you have all your spell levels all the stuff safer. Oh and similar to me rushing you through a Starfinder game I'm gonna have to rush us through the rest of this uh, review because we've only got about 15 more minutes. Padraig final thoughts would you play again? Yes
2: definitely I enjoyed it. Wouldn't say it's better than 5th edition I like 5th edition more that might be also just be because uh, i have more books i have more experience i have better characters and stuff um but yeah i do like this um yeah i just don't i i i just uh, like fantasy a little more than sci-fi but yeah it, it it's enjoyable definitely would play again yeah uh, seven to eight out of ten Seven point five out of ten, I would say.
3: If you ask me whether I want to play another Starfinder game or wa- wash the dishes, I would definitely go for Starfinder. If you <laughs> if you ask me to, whether I want to play Starfinder or Shadowrun, I'd go for Shadowrun. It's, I I can't I can't exactly pinpoint it to to anything, but to me, the, the whole story in the game also felt a bit flat. I enjoyed. I enjoyed the first session on the base station. I don't know for what reason, but as soon as we entered the starship, it kind of at some point, it was was a bit boring. Even even the fights were that I I, th- I thought the f- the best fight was the first one where I'm I'm not sure who was who was there. I think that's the, the first session where it was Philip was you and, and Philip. Nick Nalu. Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah.
1: Nick Nalu oh, and you. It was just yeah. me and Philip. Something yeah, like possible. that. Yeah.
3: For for some reason this was more enjoyable. I think I'm just I just prefer, as I as I said before, I just prefer like closed
1: worlds where
3: where I know how they work and where I know where my character lives and and everything to open space.
1: This is really interesting, almost feedback I would say, because it's interesting because that first session was the least scripted session that we had because. I was stalling for time. So a lot of that was just me making stuff up to to sort of give you guys something to do, which Maybe
3: it's just your imagination is better than the <laughs> yeah. books.
1: I mean, I think maybe this book wasn't the best adventure, which kind of surprises me. And and I I kept going back and forth between should I run this adventure or not? And then I thought, well, this was the adventure that they put out concurrently with the game. Like, it was the first adventure they came out upon release. That's the adventure everyone sort of had to choose. If you wanted to play a pre-written adventure, that was what was available. So I thought, that's what we'll do, sort of like to emulate the everyone else's first impression. I don't know if that was the right choice. I feel like now, maybe it wasn't. But then again, you know...
4: No, the purpose of this is to try yeah. out the game.
1: And that's yeah, what we were doing. But I mean, at the same time, we could we can try the game with a made up story too, and I think that would be equally valid. It would just be a different
4: tactic. I definitely agree that the the first few sessions were a lot more enjoyable, and then it kind of got a bit. I think I
2: liked being
4: like I wasn't
2: there at the very like first. You could call it the one where uh, the people who I'm who um like i'm pretty sure that was with the people who mistook the time yeah. the, the yeah. uh yeah. day yeah maybe i should have mistaken the the, the day but, um i i like the spaceship uh battles the most yeah the 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 the, 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 the battles on the on the spaceship mm-hmm. with the with the in uh, dog yep. things those i liked exploring the thing it was very scary though like sci-fi is way (laughs) scarier than fancy i sometimes sometimes in the fifth edition thing i got scared like when there was uh when um when lenny was attacked for instance in the very first adventure and we didn't know what it was he just saw a creepy doll there, and then he was attacked, and so we burned the house down. <laughs> that <laughs> that was how I felt. Like uh, I was so I was I was scared because oh no, um something attacked. It, there's a creepy doll. It's it's it, in in an abandoned house. Let's burn it down. It's it's your instinctual reaction. But this adventure was scary it was just the the zombie dog things the zombies it was all pretty all the space stuff just makes it way more like um with with firefly you also have Mm, that yeah um, sometimes with some of those episodes which isn't a bad thing but it's definitely something you should know yeah yeah baffled Final
1: thoughts? Slash, would you play again?
2: Well,
5: I don't have a lot of experience, so I would say, yeah, I'd play again because I had a really good time. Um, I don't know really what I was expecting. I really enjoyed the interaction and watching everybody else play and everybody else's ideas and come up with different scenarios and how they would do things. I found that fascinating. Um, I did not find at any point that I was bored waiting for my turn to be on screen again because it was for me just enjoyable to watch what everybody else was coming up with and doing and I had a good time with that I wish we would have spent more time um, exploring the spaceship before moving over to the asteroid because I was having a good time finding out what was in all the different rooms and what was behind door A and door B and ouch door C killed me sort of thing Um so i had a good time i at this juncture i don't think i'd want to play that starship combat thing again but the actual scenario we played or more in that universe yeah i'd have a good time with that i did have cool great thanks guys
1: for the um for the thoughts it sounds like um sounds like we've reviewed starfinder so uh next week we'll start A different game, which I'll announce on the Hacker Public Radio mailing list. Everyone is, of course, welcome to join in. Uh, Anyone listening to this is welcome. Anyone on the mailing list is welcome to join in. Um, Thanks a lot.
0: You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday.